morning, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, you know, I'm a, I, you know I bring energy. Come on now. Amen, amen, amen. So my name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're going to fill our connection card. So if you have um, your phone, you can open up our app to fill it out, or you can pull out a connection card and a seat pocket in front of you. We ask everyone to fill out this connection card, but if you are a first-time guest, we invite you to give us as much information as you feel comfortable. If you give us your mailing address, we're going to send you a gift in the mail. If you give us your email address, we're going to give you uh, a welcome email as well as a quick survey. And then if you are a second time guests, please indicate that as well because we want to reach out to you again, sending you another survey and hearing about how or what it was that brought you back here a second time so we can better serve you. Everyone else, just give us uh, your name. We have the rest of that information and feel free to leave us a prayer request on the back of the card um, and we as a staff are going to pray for you and join you. So let's take a moment. Let's fill out our connection cards together. So you can hold on to that. If you um, filled out the connection card via the app, you could click send. But if you have a physical connection card at the end of service today, um, you can put that in the offering baskets as you exit. So today we're not going to pass offering baskets, but they will be uh, there will be ushers positioned at the doors as you're leaving. And you can put in your offering and the connection card there. All right. If you would, bow your hearts with me as we prepare just to engage the word of God together as a community and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to do in us what he desires to do in us this morning. So, Most High God, I just thank you, Lord God, that we're gathered here in an atmosphere of worship. I thank you that you are present, that you are living, that you are active. We pray, Lord God, that even now in this moment, that you would touch our minds, that we would think the thoughts that you have. Would you touch our hearts, that we may feel the things that you feel. Touch our hands, that we would do the things that you call us to do. And Lord God, transform our lives, that we may be the people that you have called us to be. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and all God's people say amen 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 um, you know every once in a while on the christian journey you have one of those moments where god just does something spectacular and um and he kind of blows your mind out of the water because you realize in a very real way that he is still living he is still active he's moving in our midst wherever we are so i had one of those experiences about a week and a half ago so um, I was in Inglewood on the main strip, Palisade Avenue, and I was coming out of the salad house. Um, that was the first miracle of God. I was coming out of the salad house. <laughs> um, but as I was leaving the salad house, um, I, I passed by this psychic reader storefront, and I saw this woman that was standing in the doorway, and you could see all over her face um, that she was deciding whether or not she was going to go into this reader. And her body very physically was actually had one foot inside the store, one foot outside the store. And you could tell she was just debating if she's going to do this or not do this. And um, the Holy Spirit prompted me to go talk to her. And of course, since I'm so holy, I told the Holy Spirit, no, I'm busy. <laughs> well, 
I was walking away, and I was doing one of those, like, kind of drive-by prayers, like, where the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're, it's time to minister, but you're, like, kind of like, God, just be with her. She's going through stuff. Come on, just, like, you could do it without me. You don't even need me. It was one of those types of prayers. But as I got closer to my car, I felt another strong prompting of the Holy Spirit that said, no, go talk to this woman. And so this time I was obedient. So I go back to talk to her, and I say, how are you doing today? And she looks at me, and she says, not well. My husband recently passed away. And I was like, okay, there's a Holy Spirit moment that's about to take place right here. And I knew it. I even felt like a a slight shift in the atmosphere. And so um, right as she says this, I guess like one of the psychic readers comes to the door. And the weirdest thing happens. They start to have this really weird argument. And I was like, that makes sense. Because when the devil's present, there's going to be chaos. So all right. So they're having this argument. And I'm about to ditch out again because they're like going back and forth. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said like, no, wait. Wait here for a second. So they finish this argument, and I look at this woman, and all I say to her is I said, listen, I'm a pastor, and I want to tell you you're not going to find the answers in there. And as soon as those words came off the tip of my tongue, this woman starts weeping, and she, she's crying on my shoulder. We're talking on the main strip, Palisade Avenue, Inglewood. She is crying on my shoulder, and she's there for about maybe 25 to 30 seconds. And I'm like, all right, this was a God moment. All right. Well, she's crying, crying, and when she breaks the embrace, she looks at me, and she goes on to explain how she was a believer, her father was a pastor, and she knows that she shouldn't be here doing this, and she knows there's no answers there, but in her hurt, pain, brokenness, disappointment, she found herself driven to this place to seek answers outside the truth of Christ. She's like, yes, I know that I'm denying the reality of Christ. And so right there on the sidewalk, we start having Holy Spirit ministry. As people are walking by, I'm just like speaking scriptures over her life. And she's just like sitting there. Her hands are lifted literally on the street. And God just does some awesome stuff right then and there. Yeah, praise the Lord. You know, it's always fun when you get to see the devil get a black eye, right? Well, well, that's happening here on the street corner. And I finish, I give her my name, I give her my phone number, I give her the address to the church. Hopefully one day she, she would come and join us. That'd be beautiful. Um, and as I'm leaving, um, she says to me, thank you for listening. She says, thank you for listening. And I was like, yeah, sure, call me and we could talk some more. She's like, no, 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 no. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. And I was, I was hit. And, you know, that happens oftentimes when, you, when you're doing ministry is you go and you're ministering and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has a way of looping back and ministering right back to you. And, and I was just convicted. I was like, man, what if I just had chosen not to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in that way? What if I just was so busy to get home that I miss opportunity? And, 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 and that just kind of wrestled with, I was wrestling internally with that. But then as the days uh, passed, um, I had a different wrestling that started to happen. And um, I start to wrestle really more so with this woman and the look on her face. I just, I just can't, even now, I can't get that image quite out of my mind. Um, the look that she had on her face when she was standing in that doorway debating as to whether or not she was going to go in for this psychic reading. And, you know, this face communicated so many things, and I, and I think that the reason I can't get the image out of it, out of my mind, is because I've seen this face so many times before. I've seen it in the faces of believers, both old and young. I've seen the faces of people that are seasoned in the faith, walking with the Lord for several decades, as well as those who've only walked with the Lord for several months. 
um, I've seen in the faces of pastors and missionaries as well as lay people and uh, first-time members. I've seen it in their face. And if I'm honest, even when I've looked in the mirror, I've also seen it in my face from time to time. And it's a look of disappointment. It's a look of disappointment. It's the weight that disappointment brings. And you know, disappointment comes when we have unmet expectations. You know, this woman had just recently lost her husband, and I'm sure she had a vision of many more years with him. And disappointment and the pain and disorientation that ensued drove her to this place where she wanted answers at any cost. Disappointment. And you see, the danger of disappointment when it goes unchecked is that disappointment can rob us of destiny. Disappointment can derail us from purpose. Disappointment can bring us to a place of distance from God when we're not careful. And the way this happens is, you know, you have your eyes fixed on Christ, but when the disappointment comes and we take our eyes off of the living hope of Christ and we focus on the disappointment, our eyes are now shaped and our decisions thereafter are shaped by the disappointment. And so it becomes no surprise when our eyes are off of Christ and they're self-centered, focused on the disappointment that we make the decision to no longer engage in the reading of Scripture. It makes sense that we make decisions to no longer come to church and engage with the fellowship of believers. We make decisions to look for answers in other places outside the hope of Christ. We make decisions to sit with the psychic reader because it all rooted from disappointment. We make a decision to, well, you fill in the blank. And then we look up one day and after all these progressive decisions that were rooted in a moment of unchecked disappointment, we realize that now there's this distance that has been created between ourselves and Christ Jesus. We're far from where we want to be, far from where we once were. And perhaps for some of you, the disappointment didn't lead to these overt outward decisions that are sinful in nature, but perhaps the disappointment just caused you to cave in in a certain way. And and so your disappointment became a Lord in your life, which is sin in and of itself. And, you know, disappointment when it's Lord in your life has a way of pushing you further and further into the corner. And, you know, disappointment oftentimes comes with its friends, depression, dejection, loneliness, and others. And you find yourself similarly in that distant place from the hope of Christ Jesus. Disappointment unchecked. And this morning, I want to spend a few moments with you all, and I want to talk to you guys about How do we come back home to the land of destiny when we find ourselves lost in the distant place of disappointment? In the distant place of disappointment. Yeah, because that distant place can emerge from all these unmet desires that we had, those hopes to spend a life with this person, those hopes to birth this ministry, those hopes that at this point, 
things should be different. And it makes us feel far. It makes us feel distant. But how do we come home? Well, you know, the Bible is filled with many characters in Scripture, and we could choose any one of them because these characters in Scripture um, experience disappointment, and many times uh, they make decisions and um, do things that reflect the disappointment that they experience, and these decisions bring them further from the purposes of God in their life. But I want to zone in on one disciple, one that many of us are familiar with, It was the disciple that was the boldest of them all, the disciple that um, was willing to step out of the limbs for the things of God. Uh, Perhaps you've heard of him. His name was Peter. And Peter is a phenomenal character because he's so relatable. Um, Peter is imperfect by far. Peter has these high moments and these low moments. He has these moments in which he has radical faith for the things of God. Jesus on one occasion comes walking on the water and he tells the disciples, come to me. And it's Peter that decides to get out of the boat to walk to Jesus. You know, all the other disciples, they sit in the boat, but Peter decides to walk to Jesus. And so Peter is walking on water, the boldest of the disciples. But then right after he has this high moment in which he is actually doing the supernatural, he has this low moment because his faith um, uh, fails him and he starts to sink. And now he is about to drown in the same water that he was once walking on. That was Peter. Peter had these magnificent experiences in which he actually was on the mountaintop when Jesus revealed himself in his full glory. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, and he reveals himself in full glory, and Moses and Elijah appear next to him, and Peter's right there. And then Peter is like, this is wonderful. And then Peter gives suggestion on what he should do, and God from heaven actually has to cry out, speak down to Peter and say, be quiet, just listen to them. That's Peter. Peter declares Jesus the Christ, this, and, and Jesus is like, man, this is a deep revelation that's been given to you. And then right after that, uh, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's Peter. Well, Peter is this faithful disciple, and he, 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 he's imperfect in all these ways, but at the heart of it all, Peter loved Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. And the story unfolds that at the Last Supper, Jesus begins to say some strange things. Jesus begins to say, uh, I will only be with you for a little while longer. Jesus begins to say, I'm going to be going somewhere, and right now you can't go. Jesus says, in fact, there's one among you that is a traitor and will betray me. He's saying these strange things, but then In Peter's ear, he says the strangest thing of all. He says to the 12 disciples, and guess what? All of you, my closest friends, those of you who have followed me for all these three years, all of you are going to abandon me and turn your back on me. Let's read the scripture as it's recorded in Mark, the 14th chapter. He says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. 
But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You see, in that moment when Jesus tells the disciples that you will all fall away, Peter is the bold one as he usually is, and he raises his voice and he says, listen, Jesus, if all the disciples fall away, I will not. He says, Jesus, if it's just you and me, whether we're outnumbered or not, I'm with you. He says, I'm your road dog, Jesus. I'm your blood brother. I'm in this to the end. Jesus raises his voice and Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times in just a mere several hours. And even still, Peter says, no, not I, Jesus. And I'll be honest with you people, I believe that Peter sincerely meant it. I don't think that these were just words. I believe from the depths of his soul, Peter genuinely believed that he would be with Christ to the end. And why do I say that? It's because only a few short minutes or hours later, when the soldiers come to take away Jesus, Peter is true to his word. He pulls out his sword and he begins to fight, even striking one of the soldiers. Peter was ready to die, outnumbered or whatnot. Peter was like, I'm with you, Jesus. And he's being true to his word. But then Jesus says something that throws Peter's world into disarray. He says to Peter, Peter, put the sword away. And you could imagine Peter, it's like, Put the, no, this is the time. I already declared my loyalty. I'm ready to die. No, I'll fight to death with you, Jesus. And Jesus has to say, no, those who live by the sword die by the sword. He goes on to say, this is not the way that's going to unfold here, Peter. No, I'm going with them and I'm going to the cross. In so many words, Jesus says, and the soldiers take Jesus away. Now, We have to read between the lines of Scripture, but we have to imagine the way that Peter must have felt in that moment. Imagine in that moment the way that Peter felt when he saw Jesus, his rabbi, his Lord, his friend, taken away. Imagine what must have gone through his mind when he said, wait, this is it? Is this how it unfolds? You could imagine that Peter must have said, wait, Jesus, I left my business, my fishing, my boats for the sake of following you, and you're just going to go away without a fight? You have to imagine that in the mind of Peter, he must have said, wait, for the last three years, I have followed you, given myself to you, and this is how it goes you can imagine the disappointment when he, he expected the biggest miracle to happen in that moment that maybe even Christ would call down a legion of angels or fire from heaven. But instead, Jesus goes away with these soldiers and Peter must have said to himself, wait, but I saw the power and the majesty at that mountain. I saw when you turned the water into wine. I saw when you healed the sick, caused the blind to see Open the deaf ears. You can imagine that these thoughts must have gone through Peter's mind. And now Christ was taken away. And he must have said, was it all for naught? Is this it? Imagine Peter's disappointment. As his expectations went unmet. And I'll be honest, are we that unlike Peter? When some of our expectations go 
unmet? How many of us have dreams and visions for those children that are wayward right now? Yeah, you raised them in the church. You've prayed for them day and night. You've sat in the same seat for year after year, and you know in the sincerest part of your heart you want to see them serve the Lord, but right now their hearts are far from God. Disappointment. How about those relationships that did not work out? How about that loved one that got that diagnosis and you were expecting healing and it did not occur? Disappointment. You see, I believe that it was the disappointment that Peter felt that caused him to have disorientation, which then sparked these decisions. You see, just as that lady that I saw on the sidewalk, disappointment led her to the doorway of a place of darkness. I believe that disappointment unchecked can lead us to decisions that bring us away from the purposes of Christ in our life. You see, Peter was in the hour of disappointment. And what does it say? It says that Peter eventually goes to fulfill the words that Christ spoke over him. The scripture says in Mark, the 14th chapter, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near Peter said, said, said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. He broke down and he wept. So Peter is in this situation. He just experienced the disappointment, loss of Christ as rabbi, his friend. And now um, in that disappointment, it led to these decisions. He denies him the first time, denies him the second time. And then the third time, he actually even calls down curses in his denial of the Lord that he confessed as the Christ that he knew as his friend. And you could imagine that in this moment, the, the distance he must have felt to Christ Jesus. Yes, there was the physical distance, but now, even at a spiritual level, he was denying the reality of Christ. He was denying the relationship that he had with God. And if we're not careful, that disappointment can cause us all here, myself included, to deny the reality of the living relationship that we have with Jesus. Because it's disappointment unchecked. And the weight of that disappointment causes Peter to break down and weep. He breaks down and weeps. But you know why? Because as we said, Peter, at his root, he loves Jesus. Imperfect as it is, he loves Jesus. And I think that some of us find ourselves in this place of distance from God, distance from the purpose of God, and we weep. 
maybe tears don't come down our face, but in our soul we're weeping because we know what it's like to have the goodness of God. We know what it's like to be close to Christ, and our hearts long for that. And so we weep. And if you're here this morning and you feel distant from God and you don't have that brokenness or that weeping, I pray that even now in this moment that the Holy Spirit would touch you in such a way to make your heart sensitive and soft to him again. Come now, Holy Spirit. Well, the gospel story unfolds. And um, just as Christ had said, uh, he goes to the cross But he rises from the dead because death couldn't defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. Darkness would not win. And so he rises in glory, rises in power. And it says that he appears to the disciples. And he appears even to the disciples beyond the twelve. And he gives these convincing proofs that he is alive. He tells them, touch me, see the scars. Um, I'm here, I'm in the flesh. He eats with them. And so they know that he is alive. But you know something? It says in the scripture, um, or rather indicates in the scripture, that there's still some sort of distance between Peter and himself. Uh, Peter, yes, he's thrilled and overjoyed when he sees the resurrected Christ. Um, but you know something? There has to be a difference, be- distance because Peter doesn't immediately go to re-engage the mission of God. He doesn't go to immediately re-engage the mission to which Christ had called him to. Remember, when he first sees Peter, he calls him from being a fisher of men to be a fisherman to being a fisher of men, meaning that he calls him from his lifestyle of working the boats, catching fish, to actually proclaiming the gospel and casting capturing souls for the kingdom of God. Peter doesn't re-engage in that. In fact, what do we see? We see in the scripture, as you read in the account of John, that Peter, who walked with Christ, who had this confession at the Last Supper that that he would give his life for Christ Jesus, he's back to fishing. He's back to fishing. He's back to the boats. He's back to the nets. That's where Christ Jesus sees him. Why was he back to fishing Maybe it's because he didn't feel worthy of the calling. Maybe he didn't feel worthy of the destiny that Christ had first called him to. And I tell you, when disappointment ensues and you find yourself in that distant land, um, we can look in ourselves in, in the mirror and say, maybe I am not good enough for this calling. But there's a powerful thing that Jesus does with Peter in that moment. In the 21st chapter of John, Peter, Jesus pulls Peter to the side and he has this intimate moment with Peter. And in this intimate moment with Peter, this is how it transpires. It says, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. 
he said to him, follow me. Follow me. There's something so powerful in this narrative. This morning, I'm not coming with deep theology. I'm not coming with how-to steps to get over disappointment. But I do want to have a heart-to-heart challenge for you this morning. And I believe that the question that Jesus asked Peter is the question that he asks us every day. And the question is, do you love me? Because you see, if you're in the distant land and you truly love Christ and you say, yes, I love, you'll return home. You'll come back home. Now, I want to highlight something about that happens in this narrative. Many of you know that I've, I have two years of undergraduate uh, study in Koine Greek as well as two years graduate degree study in Koine Greek, the language of the New Testament. But I don't like to really whip it out very often because I feel like a lot of times people whip out the Greek just to like say like, yeah, I know something. But you know something? In this passage, there's something that is happening in the Greek language that's really critical that I believe speaks to us today. Let's go back to this. Pa- well, first of all, many of you guys know in the Greek language, there's multiple words for the word love. Um, Uh, Many of us in Christian faith are familiar with the three key ones, agape, phileo, and eros. But there's actually more than that. There's actually seven seven or eight words in in the Greek that uh, communicate love and are translated as love. Um, In this passage, there's two of those words that are being used, um, phileo and agape. Um, Phileo is uh, affection or fondness. It's a type of love that is familial. Uh, that's where we can get like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Um, it's actually a lowered ordered love in the Greek text, the way that John uses it. Um, John is really key, uh, keys in with the way in which he uses the word love. The other word that John uses is the agape love, which some of you realize is like the, the deepest love, the highest ordered love. It's a sacrificial love. It's the love that implies the giving of your heart, mind, body, and soul. That's the way that John uses it. And so there's phileo love and agape love. They're both present in this passage. But here's how it unfolds when we look at it uh, using those Greek words. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me more than these? And Peter responds, Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love phileo affection you and then jesus says feed my lambs the second time jesus asked peter and he says again simon son of john do you love agape love me he answers yes lord you know that i love phileo lower ordered love you jesus said take care of my sheep Now, it's interesting, as you're seeing here, Jesus is calling Peter to the higher, the deeper love, the agape love, the sacrificial love, the love that says, I'm all in. This love that says, Jesus, you have my heart, mind, body, and soul. And all Peter's able to give is the phileo love. He's able to give a a, a smaller, lesser love to Jesus. And Jesus asked him twice, and twice Peter responds saying, I can give you love, but I can give you the phileo love. But then the third time, it says, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love phileo me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you 
phileo, love me. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo, love you. You know, many commentators have said, like, you know, when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He's hurt because um, he, it reminds him about the three times that he denied Christ. And I believe that that is an aspect to it. But when I look at the, the text in the Greek, I think there's another aspect to it. I think that when Jesus called Peter the first two times to that deeper love and Peter wasn't able to respond with a deeper love, on the third time, Jesus lowers the bar for Peter. He lowers the bar so that Peter could get in. And this speaks to the character of Christ. You see, we don't know why Peter wasn't able to give the full love. Perhaps he was only able to give phileo love because he felt shame. He, maybe he felt shame. How could I ever say, Jesus, I agape love you, when I denied you three times in your darkest hour? Maybe he said, I couldn't give you the agape love because, Jesus, how could I say, I agape love you, when you called me away from the fishing boats, and here I am back in the fishing boats, we don't know exactly what was going in the, on in the mind of Peter as to why he would not be able to give Jesus this agape love. But what we do know is that in the heart of Christ Jesus, his agape love for us is so wide, so vast, that even when we can only give him a broken, shattered, imperfect love, he still takes it because he loves us that much. You see, the challenge this morning is Jesus says, do you love me? And I want to say to you, if you feel distant, if you feel far, or if you reach a season in which you feel distant or far, bring to the Lord the love that you have, as broken and as imperfect as it is, because when you give the Lord what you have, the Lord Jesus has a way of taking little and making it much. He has a way of taking the phileo, and guess what? He can transform that into agape. And why do I say this? It's because we know that Peter, down the road, actually moves to this agape love in which he gives his all for Jesus. It says in the passage how he, Jesus tells him the type of death that he would die for the sake of glorifying Christ. And we know that throughout the scripture and the history of the church that Peter does lay down his life for the sake of feeding the sheep. That's the body of Christ. And he lays down his life physically for the cause of Jesus. It started off as phileo, but, but guess what? In time the Spirit of God blew onto it that it approached this agape love to Christ Jesus. If you're far, give God that one shattered, broken piece of your heart and let him blow onto it. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh man, I, I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh my gosh, ah, man. The love of God is awesome. <laughs> the Holy Spirit must be in the building. <laughs> um, and so, so, he, so I, the challenge I have is give the Lord what you have. And here's the beautiful thing is that Peter in that moment, we know the weight that he must have felt of the denial, the shame and all that. But guess what? God still speaks his purpose over Peter's life. He still speaks of plans and intentions that he has for Peter, even in that broken moment. And I want to say that the plans and the purpose of God for your life are never too far out of reach. 
If you feel like your decisions have pushed you further from God, guess what? Jesus says, come home because I still speak and call you to be my child. I still speak and call you towards destiny. We see that in this passage, Peter, who had messed up and messed up really bad to the point of cursing even his relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, guess what, Peter? I still call you the rock. I still call you to be the pastor to this early body of Christian believers. And I want to say that if you are there or if you ever find yourself there in that far, far space or that far place, know that the living God that's characterized by love still speaks your destiny to you. I want to invite you guys to stand here. And I want to close in a way that's a little different than I typically would close here. Um, In the scriptures, Jesus um, tells uh, probably his most famous story when he describes a child who is far off. And it says that this child found himself in a distant land in which he was far from the love and the affection of the father. And it says that one day this child came to his senses and said, I want to go home. He said, I want to go home. I want to go back home to my father. And he didn't know what to expect when he'd go back to his father. But it says that he journeyed and ventured home expecting to be treated as one of the servants. But when he approaches his father's estate, it says that the father saw the son when the son was a long distance off and he came running to the son. The father was looking for this son that was far off and distant. And it says that when the father saw the son, he embraced him and he put his robe on the son and he put a ring on the son's finger. And I want to say that sometimes um, when we are wrestling with the question of our love for God, it needs to be overshadowed by God's agape love for us. You see, when we have a, a realization of the love of God for us, the fact that the he, like the father in the story that Christ was telling, runs after us and is looking for us and restores us with the robe and the ring on the finger, it changes our perspective because then we realize that there are no number of decisions that put us out of the reach of God's love. There are no decisions or positions of our heart that make it so that we can't come home to the land of our destiny. The love of Christ is that wide for us. And you know, I did this a couple weeks ago. I was speaking at a, at a sports camp for high schoolers. And, um, and I was like, maybe like two, 200, 250 of these high schools. And I just was talking about the love of the Father. And I, I did this because sometimes we need a tangible reminder of His love. And I have up here just a bunch of rings. And it's from the story where the father takes the son and he puts the ring on the son, symbolizing the son is restored. Restored to his place in the household, 
restored to be what he was always destined to be. And what I did when I talked to these young people is I threw some of these rings out there and I just said, if you're in the place, in this building, and you feel like you're far or you're distant, or even if you just want a fresh um, experience with the love of God, I want to invite you forward. And I want to pray over you. And I want to do the same thing here. Is I have these rings. These rings aren't spiritual. They're not, they don't have some power to them at all. But what they do have, or what they can function at, is as a site of remembrance. A site of remembrance when we're in that hour or that season of distance. We can say, no, 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 no. The Father is looking for me. The love of the Father chases after me. Oh, no, no, no. God says the story is not over with me. Oh, no, no, no. God puts the robe back on my shoulders. He puts the ring on my finger. And so if that's you and you got moved by the Spirit of God in any way and you just feel like, man, I want more. I want to walk into my destiny in a deeper way. I just want to invite you forward. I want to invite you forward to take one of the rings as just a, as a, a site of remembrance for yourself. And then I want to pray over you guys. And I want to pray that the destiny of the Lord would just flood through the building for us as his children, myself included. And so I invite some of you forward. Others of you, I just invite you in your seat just to, just to uh, give a posture of openness to the Lord. I, I always say this, and I always bring clarity that these, these things that we do, like when we pray with our eyes closed or we, or we put our hands up, these aren't like magic poses. There's not, they're not magical, but what they do is they can be a reflection of the disposition of our heart. And so I want to invite you guys, if you're up here as I pray over you, for those of you who are in our seat, the Spirit of God moves throughout every part of the building, wherever we're at. I just want to invite you just to posture yourself in a way to receive from the Lord. And I'm postured right with you. I'm postured right with you because I need to receive just as much as anyone. And so most high God, I just thank you for your love, Lord God. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for all the believers gathered in this room. I thank you that you call us all to destiny. I thank you, Lord God, that even while we are far away off, your love chases after us. I thank you, Lord God, that there is no place of distance that is further than the reach of your arm. I thank you, Lord God, that you can take disappointment and you can blow new life and hope into those disappointments. I pray, Lord God, that even now, and we as a people would have a fresh hunger and a fresh encounter with your love, that we as a people would have a fresh revelation, a realization, Lord God, of how much, Lord God, you call us your, us, your children, your sons, and your daughters, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that even now in this moment, Lord God, that we would see you for who you are, the Father who shines down on us with a face that is smiling because we are his, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for all the decisions that are, that are facing the people gathered here today, Lord God, in which they need your grace to decide on, Lord God. I pray that you would be in the midst of those decisions, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that, that their eyes will be fixed on you, living hope, Lord God. That their eyes would be fixed on you, Christ Jesus, Lord God. That they would not tarry or falter to the left or to the right, but Lord God, that they would come, Lord God, 
in the straight and narrow path that, that you call them to. I pray, Lord God, for restoration of dreams, of, of, of visions, and destiny that you have spoken over the lives of us, your children, Lord God. May we walk in the fullness of the plans and the purposes of God for our life, Lord Jesus. Come now, Holy Spirit. Come now, Holy Spirit. Do your work even now in this moment. Do your work even now in this moment. Lord, you ask us, do we love you? And Lord God, with the posture of our hearts and with our lips, Lord God, we say, yes, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And even now, I just feel, just by the Spirit, just I just want to pray against even like the spirit of disappointment. Some of you that have had disappointment of loss of loved ones or, or loss of, of, of things that you felt were supposed to happen. I just want to pray against the spirit of disappointment. Even some of you that, that had disappointment in relationships in which you maybe you felt betrayed or, 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 or backstabbed or anything. And, and disappointment, the, the enemy wants to try to plant himself on, on those disappointing experiences. I pray right now against the spirit of disappointment that, 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 that it wouldn't come against the people gathered here that it wouldn't set the course of their destiny, that wouldn't derail them from purpose. We declare as the body of believers that Satan will not have authority in our lives in the area of disappointment. We give that to you. We cast our cares upon you, the Lord, for you care for us. Those are the words of Peter, the same one that experienced this. He says, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. And he knew it. And I pray that even now in this moment, that we have a fresh revelation of that, Lord. And so we bless you guys in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. If, if there are people from the prayer ministry, you could come forward. And as people need prayer, we would love to minister to you all.